people understand what the process is working out. But then the next section that we enter into is called seasons of victory, right? And the seasons of victory are trying to teach us, okay, well, how do you really get the victory? What are those tools? Well, we did doorway of change. The one thing I love about doorway of change is, man, there's so much in that. And even though I've known that vision for seven years, I can still look at that vision and I still, I need that vision. That vision never changes because we're always going through another doorway. Jesus is the door. He does open that doorway up for us. But now today I chose this vision because when you look from the sky view down, how God is looking upon us, this is what we're seeing happening to us with our soul. But now this is what God, he is up in heaven looking down and we're walking somewhere in here, you know, and he is, he is above that door. He is bigger than that door. And he wants to has to have a season of victory and understand that he is trying to give us a kingdom life, not a life in charge of kingdoms. He's trying to give us a kingdom life individually. And, you know, I was saying last night, you know, I get very weary when, um, you know, people, they want to take over the world. You know, they think, because that's how good we feel sometimes in the resurrected self. But we are supposed to, he says, I'm going to exalt you out of the valley. I'm going to remove a mountain. I'm going to break the bars of, bars of iron. And those are all our ways we think we should be exalted. He's going to do it in his way, but that's going to be through a kingdom life. And so in a kingdom life, this is how he sees us. He sees that there's a spirit that's pushing us from behind and that's always there. I like it. Once you get saved, in fact, if I take this chart, I will do one thing on this chart to show you something different. I know you asked Kendrick, but I'm not going to put it there. I'm going to do something a little bit different with it. I'm actually going to lay it down. I love this chart because if you have to look at it like we're looking at it from the sky view. And somewhere we're walking here. But I like how there's a line. See this line? That means if I am standing here, then that means I'm already born again. If I am behind this line, okay, I'm not born again yet. That means there is an unregenerated spirit. The Holy Spirit, the word, which is the power, is not in me, so I can't get to the kingdom life. So I want us to think about this. That's the start. This is the starting line. And so if you think of the bottom of that cup as a starting line, and you get saved, boom, now I'm born again. That second person stands right here. Okay? And that means that's the, that's the light that's sitting in here that gives you the power to start moving towards the door. Okay, because remember we talked about this last year was a year where the Lord was really pressing on the judgment on the leaders. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't want us to judge, but he can bring judgment on our soul to get us into the right place. And so there was a, and he says, I'm always going to do my leaders first. So that's our, who gets judged first. Those who are what? In Christ. Okay, so the lost people, Gene used to say this all the time in the beginning. Well, you know, ignorance is bliss, Right. If you don't know that you're saved, you are very safe to a certain measure. Do you know what I mean? When I say that, you're not really completely protected, but if God's going to say, I'm coming to you at an appointed time, 
I'm going to hit something with you. And you do have to make that choice to cross the line. And there is a time where the more times we pass God by, pass God by, we, you know, God chooses our life and he chooses to take our life. Satan doesn't take us out. Satan, Satan's only used, which God uses him to get us into maturity, into the kingdom. And so there is no more this thinking, oh, well, Satan did this to me, Satan did this to me, Satan. No, God appoints things, and I like it. Before we cross the line, we've done a lot of what? Stuff. We've believed a lot of stuff, yes. okay? <laughs> we've gotten involved in a lot of stuff. Yes. But then when we get saved, now he says, if you have the Holy Spirit and you're on that starting line, that means what he starts he is going to finish it. So I believe that everybody's on this line has eternal life. Nobody can lose their eternal life. But not everybody will have abundant life here on earth. Because the only way to have abundant life is to let Jesus process and sanctify your soul. All right. And so that's where the church, this is when Gene, when Gene says the church is majority here is because nobody knows how to do the process. They know they're not supposed to have unforgiveness. They know about shame. They know about rejection. They know that they're supposed to not have offenses. But nobody knows how to really get through this door. There is very few ministers that have been given this from the Spirit to know how to get people into this large place. And so, and I haven't even Joyce Myers, I love her Bible, doesn't tell you how this happens. But it does tell us how to get healed emotionally. That's why I call her my emotional Bible. And see, this is what's so awesome. The body of Christ, it's like it's tennis balls that you open up. You hear it, air comes out, and they're the fluffiest balls. They bounce really high. Every time a can of, uh, of tennis balls open up, that's another revelation. See, now this is where we are on the cusp of bringing in the true process. And see, that's where this ministry has put together that if we get enough people through this process, that's going to be the message everybody's responsible. That's the next generation's what they've got to learn is how to get through the process because it's a building thing. You start out in kindergarten and then you graduate to 12th grade and then you go to college. Well, it's the same thing as God is moving time. Time is to help us realize how valuable love is and how much he's moving in everybody's time segment. My parents' generation... They had something they had to accomplish, but it might not have been this. Do they get to come in and join this if they're still with the game? Yes. But now every generation has something that they're responsible. And you think Satan knows that. Satan knows that every day that goes by, that's one day closer to his what? Death. Where he gets really put into a locked up, can never come out. And there's a thousand years that there is ruling and reigning. And Jesus is in his government which isn't going to be. We're not going to have to worry about laws and courthouses and stuff like that because we're going to be so filled with the glory of God that we actually get to experience that abundance in its fullness. So you have to look at this as like a starting line. That's why, I, you know, I meet a lost person and you know they're lost. You can never be mad at them. Man, you can never be mad at them. And then like if you see one that you know that's lost, that's had a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity, I feel sick, I, I grieve, because I know that they're missing out. But yet, okay, everybody has choice. I believe that the Lord gets every soul at the end of, I'm not every soul, he gets every spirit back. 
He is the one who created the Holy Spirit. And if a person at the deadline, they're on their deathbed, I truly believe that he gets every spirit. He does. That's just my belief. I don't know. I can't really, you know, back that up. But there are some verses that that's what has made me have that belief. But now, does he get every soul? Okay, well, that's up, to the, that's up to the person in their relationship with Christ. So the measure of the soul that we advance in, and we cross through this door, but to get into the enlarged place, you see how the cup is so wide up there? The, every time you walk through this door and you get through this, you experience a measure. See how it starts off small? You know, a person who gets saved, they cross over. Man, just that little power feels so great. But then you have to come back and you're going to be what? You're going to press it. But then look how your space gets what? Enlarged. And then you hit a level. You hit a line in him. And when you hit this line, you are what? Crowned with a very strong. Every win, every measure you go, you gain a jewel of your crown. You gain. But there is one crown of authority that, can, that develops that when you come through that door, you have that power. So if you have had something uh, when it comes to fear, an offense, a hurt, something you've knocked off that list, man, you now have the power through the testimony to stand there and call out and bring other people through the door. Isn't that awesome when you think about it? But you actually get in a frame that you never get out of the kingdom. You recognize, woof, I'm going back. And when you go back, you start, you feel like you're starting over from the beginning. And that's what's hard for people to realize. When we get people in here and they recognize, okay, I'm born again. They get through that first doorway of change. Okay. Whew, they think, wow, gosh, I've made it. Right. Because that's what happened to me the first time. I thought, wow, I really made it. Do I have to go through this again? And then all of a sudden, boom, God's got me right on the next move. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And then he gets you on the next move. And then as you keep pressing you actually become so submitted that you're like, okay, I'm getting it. I have to start off back at the beginning, pressing in, praising, worshiping. He's taking you constantly. When you get through, you're actually going to another level. So the first time you go through, if you get here, great. You go back and now you get what? Here. Now you go back and now you get what? Here. Do you see how you keep advancing? Right. You never go back to this, right? You keep lifting up. But then you hit a point. You can't, you don't ever, it says, and, uh, can you put up, Charlene, I know you love this, Psalms 23. This, Psalms 23 is so awesome to this because it reminds us that he sets a table before us. And when he sets that table before us, he's going to what? Fill your cup. And it says, right. Do you know how to do it, Charlena? Okay. Charlena's on the back end today. She is. Yes, I, I, I love to read it out. I should, you know, you think I'd have this memorized. Okay, the Lord, and you could put one dash to, um, I mean, it only goes to six. Okay, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. Okay, he, he doesn't, if the Lord is our shepherd, then even when I read that thing in John 17, 17 about the no sorrow, does everybody remember that? Even when, when we get full with God, we don't want to ask. 
because we already feel what? So full. We don't want anything. You just know you have the glory of God. So you have the, the fullness in you. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There is, when you really know he is your shepherd, there's not too many wants that you have. Do you know what I mean? Because you, you'll be happy just living in him. All right, next verse. Psalm 2 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So he says that he's gonna make you lie down and then he's gonna lead. So when we're coming up to this door, this is the point. You're not lying down here, you lie down right here, right at this doorway, all right? And he gets you to a point where you lie down and you know you can't do it because only the Lord can do it. And the want you think you want, it's gone, right? And when he says, now he leads me besides the still waters. I love that this is blue. Because when he's leading, now when you lie, because you know here, you still think you got it all figured out. You're, you've got the, the Holy Spirit, you've got it going. And boy, when one of these things pops out, you weren't ready for that. You didn't say that was me, right? Okay, so now he gets you to the point where now when you lay down, he can what? Lead. Okay, so the doorway of change, when you get on that threshold, it's because you've now just did what? You just gave up. Yeah, you lied. And you're not giving up on him. You just give up on what yourself thinks. Remember, anything that has self, self-control, self-sufficient, selfishness. We're not supposed to be in ourself because we really are a we. And he wants to lead us into a place beside a still water. That means still water, you can close your eyes in spirit and you can sing and you can be in still waters. It says in Ephesians that being in spirit, it always kills me when I hear somebody say, yep, be in spirit, just speak in tongues. Okay, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to be in spirit is to sing hymns and music, speak out what God tells you to speak, which is tongues. But that's not the only thing. You get what I'm saying? I kind of giggle because people get so excited about the gifts, they miss the truth. Because they think, oh, God's working me. He's using me. He's working with me. And just for you to know that, that it says, it's in Ephesians. Just for you to know, and you guys can meditate all you want to. Ephesians 5, 18 to 19, it says, And do not be drunk with wine. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. So they, everybody says, be in the Spirit, right? Then it tells you exactly what that means. Speaking to one another in what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your what? Heart to the Lord. And then it says, if you're in Spirit, you are giving thanks always for all things. Man, when you close your eyes and you just start humming and praising God, what's one of the things that starts coming out? Your thanksgiving, okay, to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the third thing in spirit is submitting to one another in the fear of God. Do you know what I mean? So you know you're in spirit when you are singing some songs, when you are spiritual songs, singing, making melody from your heart. Well, when people speak in tongues, that's what? Making a melody from your inner heart. Do you get what I'm saying? But there's so much more to it. It is thanking God. It is pressing out. You just close your eyes and you just get lost, right? 
Right. And he will even, that, I remember when that happened to me the first time, I just started singing out a song. I was like, wow, where'd that come from? And it wasn't coming from my mind. It was coming from being in spirit. And so we can't judge a person being in spirit except for by this. Do you know what I mean? You know when somebody's in spirit. Do you know what I mean? Because they are, there is a peace. When you have a peace with God and a reverential fear, you're not screaming. You're singing. It's just coming. You know, whatever he wants to say, whatever he wants to do, it's a beautiful place to be in spirit. So, but the enemy, he wants to keep us in what? Torment. He wants to keep us tormented. He wants to keep us in that darkness where we don't know why we're doing whatever. But I'm going to tell you, when you're in spirit and you just start singing, doesn't it feel good? It's peaceful. He is peace. He is not chaos. So it says Ephesians 30, 23, 3. I mean, Psalms 23, 3, Ephesians. But I wanted everybody to meditate on that because that's why, you know, even when we're praying in the morning now on Mondays and Wednesdays, we're singing out Psalms because that's what the word says. We want to bring in what? We want to be in his spirit. So we started speaking out Psalms. All right, Psalms 23, 3 says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So what he does it when he says for his namesake, it's because he's in you. So for his namesake, Robin has a child, Phineas. She wouldn't want to do, she wants to do something for Phineas for his namesake. She birthed him. She named him. So she wants to be able to guide and lead him and show him the way. For his namesake, Christ sees Christ in us. He does it because he sees what? Himself. That's powerful. Christ, when he sees Christ being formed in you, he cannot deny himself. God cannot deny himself if he is dwelling in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? This, This can be really deep when you think about it. He does it for his namesake. So, If we recognize that Christ is being formed in us and God is dwelling in our spirit and our soul, man, he's going to do things for us for his namesake. Does that make you just want to be attached to his name and believe in his name, trust in his name, have that name being formed in you, having that name being confessed from your mouth, having his name being thanked and glorified? All right, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He died for us for that. All right, so what happens at that door? He is going to what? Restore your soul. When you cross over, he just puts you into his righteousness. But he didn't do it for you. He did it to do it with us. He did it for his son. The father did it for his son. He said, now I'm giving you all the power. You are going to be the judge of the soul. All right. His next verse says, Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Okay. Well, a valley gets very what? Narrow. Narrow. Okay. So everybody knows the word. It says, right. Narrow is the path which leads to life, life, kingdom life. And very few find it, okay? Because they don't know the process. So they, it's amazing how the enemy, nobody is bad. 
This is what's so awesome. Everybody in Christianity, people don't come into churches because they don't want to feel what? Bad about their sin, where nobody is. We talked about this last night. We are already born into an assembly right when we're born. We're already born into that bondage so that he can do it for his namesake. So he can do it to show you who our creator and all powerful you know, God is. And so he is a person. So I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will, he wants us to say that right on that line. I will fear no evil. And he wants us to cry out to him saying, for you are with me. You are with me. You are in me, being formed in me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, I talked about a story not too long ago. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this candle to prove my point on this. You okay? Yeah, that's okay. It's just forming itself an outline. Yeah, okay. All right. I want you to look at this as a rod. And if everybody was here when I talked about Aaron and his staff, okay, when God told Moses to instruct Aaron to throw his rod down, okay, when God stands before us, he's above us, and we're going through this, when we cup on that threshold, God gives us, because the prophet is in us, right? He gives us an instruction of a word, and he wants us to do what? Throw that rod down. Right when we're on the threshold, you want to throw that rod down. How do I put this? Our mind is like Pharaoh. Pharaoh had to be, had to, God even said to Moses in the beginning, he said, I'm going to come to Pharaoh and I'm going to make him think you are God. Yeah. And you're going to tell Aaron, the prophet I give you, you're going to tell him what to do and he's going to go to Pharaoh, give the instruction, and he will have to make the choice to hear it. Well, I kind of like how this works. You've got, you've got Moses, who he said, I'm going to make them think you are God. All right, so Moses would be representing kind of God. All right, and then you've got Pharaoh, who is our soul who Jesus wants to sanctify and Aaron represents the Holy Spirit okay the Holy Spirit is the one who tells us and directs us and guides us so when we pray and the Holy Spirit says this is the rod you're going to hold on to and then you're going to have to lay it down and when you lay it down what happens to the rod it becomes a serpent right but then it says he said so Pharaoh our soul doesn't always believe that rod so what did Pharaoh do? Consulted all his other people of wisdom. And he said, hey, bring your rods and throw them down. So all these other people come. When you're on the threshold, there are all these other voices that are going to come and throw down their rod. Okay? But Aaron's rod swallowed up all the other serpents. So our, having his rod and his staff is so important to us crossing over. When I tell people to come up for testimonies on Saturday, don't come without the word. You know what I mean? Or the instruction of the Holy Spirit. And if there's instruction of the Holy Spirit, there's gonna be a word that backs it up. When we hear an instruction from the Holy Spirit, if we know the word, that word's gonna pop right out. But if we're not reading the word, do you see how the spirit and the word, if they're not working together, it says right here, it's the Holy Spirit and what? The word, that is the power, all right? If we don't have enough word and we're moving in spirit, 
We can be tapping into a lot of spirit and hearing a lot of stuff, but is it truly the Holy Spirit? Is it the rod that is the spirit and the word? And when it's time for you to be on that threshing floor and he calls it down, that is the one that's going to eat up all the others voices, all the other opinions, everything else that's coming to you that you want to believe instead of the word. All right. Does this make sense? I'm trying to kind of give it to you visually that I mean, I could take all these other candles and start throwing them down, but because that's the one, that one's going to, it can have the littlest bit of power and make no sense in the world, but it's going to have the power because it was given by the spirit. Because remember, we all have that Holy Spirit in us. We have that spirit in us to guide us, but we've also got to know the word and what to say. Because anything that's proceeding from your mouth, if it's from the Holy Spirit, it's gonna be in the word. It is gonna be that word. But then the Holy Spirit will give us a command to do something that we might not understand why, but we can find that in the word. So it says, I will fear no evil, okay? For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That one word is the only word you have to keep what? Saying, meditating on, because it's the only thing that will do what? Comfort you, you because he's about to bring you in a large place. So when you really think, isn't that amazing when you really think about that? I mean, he is already saying, next verse, Psalms 23, 4. I mean, 5. Now, I like this. Well, there's no now. I was saying that now. <laughs> you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When you throw that rod down, you've just set the table. And he's prepared a table before you with all the other what? All those other rods? Okay. He now sets the <coughs> table before you. In the presence of, of, in the presence of my enemies because they're not our enemies, they're God's enemies, right? It says, you anoint my head with oil. And it says, my cup runs over, okay? So that means when you get through it, he anoints you now with the ability of that power. You are anointed. After you've come through that door, he does what? He puts that anointing. Now your cup will runneth over in that area that you came through the door. And that's what's so powerful. Our anointing is only as good as as many times as we've gotten through this door. So even if we get through the door once, we're born again and have power, but we haven't gotten through a door yet. And there's a lot of people in the church that just haven't gotten through the door. They haven't gotten through the door because there's not, there, not all the shepherds have gotten through the door. That's the period we're in now we can go out and save souls, but we also want to know where to send them. We want to know where to guide them. God is really strategically establishing his shepherds, the true fathers that we talked about, that he will turn their hearts and he will know how to help them get through that door. And so it is really powerful when you think about this vision because we can take this in a very small day-to-day -day basis. Or we can look at the overall, hey, Cherise, we can look at the overall move of what God is trying to do with us. It's very easy to want to give up on what God is doing because we don't know how to get through that threshing floor. We don't know how to get through that. Yeah, go ahead. Can I ask you something? 
Yes. Oh, no, go ahead. Mm -hmm. You can start speaking. Go ahead. Oh. I was uh, Amen. studying and meditating on the, what's that one? Doorway of change, The right? doorway of change, yes. The doorway of change. Yep. And in my um, studying and meditating on it, when you just showed the, with the rod yeah. being the word that eats up all the other words, this, the conflicts, which is the fight, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So Paul told Timothy, I have fought the good fight of faith. Right. So when we're at this doorway of change, our faith yes. has, is in a fight. Right. Here yep. with our soul, with all the other beliefs, with yep. all what we're believing, what God is trying to yep. uh, cast down. Yes. The, the imaginations of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, 5. Mm -hmm. Right. And then our trials, which is just our experience of it. Right. right, and the trials are there to change our character. There are things that we already believed in the past, and so those are the things that are going to keep coming to us to mature us. Right. Right. And the tribulation mm -hmm. is what he's already established us all to go through. Tribulation, in fact, we did a, we talked about that, that it's the process that the Father that's assigned to you helps you get through the tribulation. And see, that's where people in the... Um, People in um, who people who don't haven't gone through the door can't teach it because they don't understand the difference between the trials, tribulations, and conflicts and fears. You know, the fear is the first thing that's going to hit. The conflicts in your soul, the tribulation and the trial. I like how they're on the other side because they are the outside things happening. You know, but he says we enter in through many tribulations. That's what the word says. We enter into the kingdom of God through many tribulations. So that doesn't mean, that's what you kind of get excited about. Hey, I got through one tribulation. I got this down. Yeah, right behind it comes the next one. Because he only gives you, right, he gives you enough in your life because he knows the greater grace is in you to get over it with him. But you've got to believe that he gets you through it. And that's right. Faith, nobody, faith works through love. What does that mean? To work through love is to believe and love him so much that you're actually telling him the verse before that, that I know you are with me. I know your staff and your rod, it comforts me. I think it's interesting that when people are dying, you know, like in a tragic, something tragic, you'll always hear somebody say, yeah, and somebody started reciting Psalms 23. You know what I mean? But really it's something to be used now. Not right before you're supposed to, but you are dying on that threshing floor. So put up James 1.12. James 1.12. That was good, um, Kenrick. It's good when you start understanding it because as you started, I feel like I loved it because one of the things you first experienced was fear. And then once you took the, you allowed yourself to surrender that you had fear and you came up. That's why sometimes when Gene calls people up, our public confession doesn't have to be in what we say. It's when he says, I'm praying for fear. And you come up and you get prayed for fear, right? Well, a person who's not living in the kingdom would say, oh, everybody thinks I'm scared, right? But no, he came up and did that. And then what happened? Now, the trials and the tribute, everything of fear kept coming to you, right? Right? But you handled it because God already had anointed you with his oil to get through that time. And he knew and he gave you the verses. He said, 
love cast out all fear. That all happened. So when we teaching, sometimes very anointed, because they're giving you the rod you need to throw down. They're giving you the word that God said will comfort you in that time of change. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who what? Love him. You, faith works through love. All he asks us to do is to love him. And if you're loving him, you're seeking him. And if you're singing, thanking him, and you are trying to work out things with others, you are in his spirit. You are with him. He is with you. He is going to get that changed. He's going to make you blessed because you've endured the temptation of not loving him. You've endured the temptation of not walking by faith, by not loving him. It says, for when, for when, for when he has, for when he has been approved. So that's the man. For when the man has been approved, what does he receive? The crown of life. When is he is approved? When he crosses through the door. And it's a when. We're already, the approval is already there. But he says, you're going to have to endure the temptations. But when you are approved, that means that temptation will never get to you again. That means you'll never have that fear again. That means you'll never, you'll never be that angry again. That means you'll never have that lust again. That means that pride, whether undercurrent or over, it cuts, cut down. And you'll never have it again. Sickness. Do you believe it? There's only one sickness, and that is your sickness unto death. All this other sickness is for his glory to prove to you that he has stamped you approved. I mean, isn't that crazy? We get something that happens to us so he can show us when I approve you. It says, for when I, when he has been approved, then what? He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. All we have to do is love Jesus Christ. And that, all we have to do is wake up every morning and say, I'm just waking up because I love you. I mean, the, the most powerful movements that I have had, my worship, it wasn't about worshiping because I was supposed to worship. It wasn't about coming in and praying because that's what I was told to do. It was because I just woke up every morning, I just smiled in bed and just started singing. And, you know, I was singing love to him. And when we sing out love to Jesus, that's, he's then, and you know the people who are worshiping him in true love because they're, sitting, they're coming upon the threshing hole, the threshing floor. And they are seeing, and they're, and, they're, and they're giving up. It's amazing how we can seek God, worship God, and do everything. And then right when we get to that threshing floor, that spot where we're to apply, it becomes so intense that you just give up and you're like, this isn't worth it. What, what's worth it? Well, it's because how much do you love him? To let him humble you, humble you, humble you. The truly humble person is one who hears the word, but is also the person who'll what? Obey it in the pain. That's where the true integrity of God is. Integrity is when you have to give something up that doesn't feel good to gain truth. Well, that's, and there's integrity of God when you get on that line. You know, we worry so much about integrity of the world, but if we just had the integrity of God, we would do all the good things in the world. He already says, when I exchange your heart out from a stony heart to a soft heart, a heart of flesh, he get, flesh means he wants you crying. 
He wants you bawling like a baby. He wants you to get on your knees and know you can't do this. I don't understand this. So I like it because, you know, that's, that's, that's exactly what he does. But when we are, we can become very prideful after we've gone through a couple of rotations. Now then we hit spiritual pride. Well, my gift is working and this is good and I do this. Yep, I don't need to grow anymore. Right when you say that, you just started right back at that starting line. Now, when you get through that door through that time, you're going to get into a what? A, a, a larger place. You're getting into what? More of a, your crown is growing. Think about how little the crown is. And think about after seven rotations, how big your crown is. Right? Think about how big your crown is. All right. The next verse. Okay. The next verse is going to be Philippians 3.14, where he tells us, I, Paul is telling us, I press toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Jesus Christ is calling us upward. Okay, remember, even though I laid this down, this is an upward move. You have to do what? Press. So here you are here, back starting again. All right, and that means one of these things are gonna come up, unforgiveness, shame, or rejection. As you press in, I love it, boom, it's gonna pop up. And see, that's where you don't want to go back. He said you push forward to an upward move, which you've heard Gene say, keep your eye on the, well, what's the prize? The crown of authority. So this becomes an upward move. You are moving upwards towards another, a power, one that you're not in charge of. He's in charge of it. Anytime the Lord has ever used me for something, it's not because I was looking to be used, okay? It was just, he showed it to me. I actually got the boldness to do it because the boldness comes here to do what in here is telling you to do. And you know it's God because you don't sit there and say anything. You're like, did that just happen? Like, I can't believe that just happened. Wow, that was really powerful. And see, that's the biggest test. When you get through pressing through and then he gives you something to do for him, when he presses you through, when you get on that other side, he's got something for you now to do. And he's going to show you the person, show you the place, and now you've got to do it. But when you do it, it is so, it, it, you feel the column of God overtake you. You feel that glory column come down, and it overtakes you. I remember the first time I saw Robin really hit that move, and she fell on this floor because she already had gotten through the door. But then God asked for her to tell it. Okay? When you come through this door, and I'm going to do this as a walkthrough. So here you are, right? Robin was working something out in shame. I like using the testimonies of this ministry, not to remind people about, but because they're real. They are real testimonies. I don't want to make up testimony. I want a real testimony of Jesus Christ because it's the only true prophecy. It's only the true spirit of the prophecy. So as we step here and we are growing, and then, boom, the, it gets narrow, and you get through where she got through. She realized what it was God was working, shame, and it had to do with being affected and touched wrong, molested as a child, right? And when it hit her, she got deliverance. And it was from worshiping, reading, and God took her down the right path. But then when she came over here and she goes, oh, I know I've been delivered. Immediately, God took her like this, turned her around, 
to face this door and said, now speak it. He didn't take her this way. He already crowned her when she came to the coronation, right, of that. He put a crown on her. When he turned her around, he took her back to what? To speak to what? The people on the other side of the door, right? So she's standing there. Now she tells her testimony. And as the spirit of the truth comes out of her, it hit everybody. And the, the best part was he put the column. It was like he was crowning you right then. He put that column. She fell on the floor. I feel it now. When I think about that, and then that was it. She has never been embarrassed, never have gone through. God, whatever that was in the shame that broke from her, he broke it. But then he turned her and said to everybody, here she is. Now, when you speak it, you've just now spoke to another spirit that's got to get through the same thing. Okay? It's like um, Kim Rodenberg. When Kim Rodenberg said to me, um, Lee, I want to have, it says in the Bible that if a woman delivers a child, she'll be delivered first. Then the child will come. It's very clear. Backed up all through scripture. And when the Lord showed me, he gave me that revelation and he showed me that I would help people deliver children. But he would be showing me and building me the different things that would happen. You know, well, but now I got the whole picture. I said to her, I said, what do you want to be delivered from? Because you have to choose. I didn't do that the first time around. We, I didn't know that. The Lord was building me and teaching me. And, he said to, and she said to me, anger and bitterness. So we meditate on anger and bitterness. So here's Kim's at the line, right? She's coming through the door. Her deliverance, her threshing hold was going to come when she was in labor. And when she was in labor, she belted out a scream because natural childbirth. You don't want to be induced early. Why do we want to induce our, our birth? God already has the plan. And so when it's ready to activate, he's going to activate. But guess what? Many, you have that rod to hold on to. You have that staff. But the moment there's a weak time and then all the other voices come. Okay? But you can choose that other voice. And you're still going to get a measured deliverance, but you're also going to get, you're going to, we know, you're going to deal with something with yourself. Well, she stuck to it. And she kept saying to me, I got it, I got it, yep. And they said, they said they're going to have to do a C-section. They're going to have to do this. They're going to have to do that. And she sat there and she closed her eyes. She stayed in spirit. I was so proud of that girl. I was just sitting there singing. I was singing around her. <laughs> she stayed in spirit. She wouldn't look at the doctor's eyes. She did not connect to the lie. Come on. That was what was so important. And they were saying, you, they pulled through. We think that she's going to have to have a C-section. Now, a prophet already told her that was going to happen. Dean came that day. So when we got there, she's now on the threshing floor in agony. That's what childbirth is to show us the real way this works. She closes her eyes and she says, none of the above. And he goes, well, then I'm only going to give you two hours. And then he was going to take her in. Well, it was funny. He came back 20 minutes later. He said, your time's up. And we were kind of like, uh-uh. You know what I mean? Like, that was, that was not two hours, you know? But when he came back, she just, she's, all the time she would say to me, Lee, I got it. I got it. I'm in control. I'm in control. And I was like this. All right, let me know when you're not. <laughs> let me know when you're not. So I just kept singing. I kept singing. And she would grab my arm. I got this. I got this. I was like, okay. Okay. I looked over Drew. Just waiting for her to die right on this. Because now she came. This is where we hit Psalms, right? You were going to what? Die there. Well, when she couldn't handle it, and it was funny. It was right before the doctor came in. And that's when he came in the 20 minutes early. She was about to bell out the biggest scream of deliverance. 
because you're, you're screaming out a demon. So when that she just starts screaming, I was like, we are on, right? I was excited. I was excited because I get the, I getting it. The more he teaches us to get through the door, now I can help somebody coach him through the door. But in the beginning, I was getting myself through the door. And I had to really look with that. And the Lord was really teaching me how childbirth, he does that. A woman should never turn down natural childbirth. No, because he really does have a deliverance for her. Now, if a woman doesn't, he has a deliverance for her too. He really does. I mean, it doesn't, there's no judgment on if you make it or not. He is going to deliver something. And so he's going to show his glory. Robin was the very first woman I helped in delivering when the Lord assigned me to do that with her. And she, it was, didn't all the voices come? And I go out to get a soda, but she didn't give in because the Lord showed a greater miracle. Phineas was born because of that. There was a deficiency that because he got stuck in the, she took the epidural and they let her have it, even though it was too late to have it. It was like they were winning on her. It was the devil. And you know, I knew it, but then, Hey, we hit a point where he couldn't do anything. We had to sit there and wait now for this baby to come. But he had a problem with his neck because he stayed in the birth canal too long and we all knew it, but Robin didn't know it. And it, I remember being so mad, you know what I mean? But it was my first experience and except for myself and, um, and then the Lord showed me that he was going to heal Phineas supernaturally. And he did. Six months old, she brought him, hands got laid on him. His neck went straight. I mean, so isn't that awesome? Now that gives me the chills because we can think that we fail on that floor and we haven't failed. We have gained another testimony in him. Thank you. So when she got through that and she screamed out, do you know what happened? Oh my God, she dilated from three centimeters all the way to seven in minutes. Now, who was that? God. And then what was the other thing? The problem of the C-sections because Mills' head was so large and she's so petite. And you know what they said? And guess what? When Mills did come out, she didn't have one tear. And even the doctor still talks about that now. And then when he said that, he screamed it out. When the head came out and the shoulders came out, he goes, wow, she hasn't even teared. I said, praise God. He goes, I said, she deserved it. She earned. That was, a, that, was, that was something that shows no woman doesn't tear. I mean, naturally, they'll either cut you or you tear. She did not. That's incredible when you saw how big Mills' head was when it finally came out. <laughs> I understood. When I saw that head, I thought that Phineas had a big head. Mills had a big head. All right. But, you know, that was the sixth woman that I helped have a baby. And you know what? It's funny how God does something different with each and every one of them. But he says, I'm going to get you through a door. I'm going to deliver you from something. I think for men, I think it's good when men watch women in childbirth and they participate because they really experience the true process God tries to show you. And then for a woman, what is the crown that she receives? The baby, right? They receive a life that God chose them to have. God chose that woman as the mother and God chose. And so when a man understands that process, and I think it's harder for men because men carry visions and women really do carry a spirit of God. We want to, we, we don't mind birthing something out, but most of the time when we're praying and birthing something out, it really is for a vision God has put in a man something for them to get through. Just think about it. Jesus, look at all the women that traveled with him that prayed for him and that stood by him while he had to go through his crucifixion. So the, the thing about pressing toward the goal, 
you know, in pregnancy, you're going to have the baby. <laughs> so you've got nine months, right? It's going to come. Well, we have to think of it like that. We have to think of it like we really are going to receive a crown. Do you know what I mean? And think of it like that. And think of it like I've really got to press forward because I can't go back. I can't go back and get unpregnant. I can't go back and, you know what I mean? And that's where, that's why I love the word abortion. Because the word abortion is a word that describes what we do when we back away from the door and we don't press forward to see what God had for us. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I love the lady who met Zinni and she was about to abort the baby or she was gonna give up on it and she didn't know what to do. But when Zinni said that, you know, she'll help take care of it, Zinni got to be right there at the hospital and get that baby. And see, at least she pressed forward towards something and, but there's nothing, if a woman chooses abortion before they cross that line and really understand, God is gonna use their testimony for a greater testimony. He forgives them because he already knows what we're gonna do, but that actually a woman, it can make a woman press forward more. Do you know what I mean? And to get, I mean, you get our hurts or what are used to press us to get through the threshold to experience something we've never experienced. Do you know what I'm saying, Therese? I mean, this is interesting. He has something he wants you to experience that you can't see. That's why it takes faith to get through the threshold because you can't see how good it is on the other side. We've never felt how good it is on the other side. But I love it when he gets us through the first time. We feel it. Do you know what I mean? I like it. The enemy wants to wear us down more because he knows that every time we gain more on the kingdom side, the kingdom life, that... Right, he loses every time. I loved it when I got that one prophecy from, he goes, devil can't get you. So he's trying everybody around you. That's right. Because now that through experience, I don't want to attach on to what the devil has. And I know that the only way, and that doesn't mean I've had darkness. I felt things leave me. I have been as affected as the, the next person, you know. But every time something leaves, I don't have to know what left. I just have to believe I was changed. And then I want to hold on to that. Now I have better eyes to what? See? I have spiritual eyes to see when darkness is coming upon to get to me. So he tells us to press toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize, which God in Christ is calling us upward. So he's calling each and every one of us. He is not trying to deny us. He wants to call us into an upward place where we don't go back to that other place. You know, we have to remember that. Um, all right, so bring this back next Thursday. And we're going to continue with this because I didn't teach the whole chart. Is that me?